Okay, welcome to the Pushing Rubber podcast, episode 143. This is Adam Piggott coming to you from the Netherlands. It's Sunday morning. The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. It's 10 a.m. I have a coffee, my second coffee. I just had my bacon and eggs. My coffee, of course, is made from my Italian mocha, aluminium, which I've had uh, aluminium for you sepos. Uh, which I've had for many years now. The longer you have one of those coffee pots, the better the quality of coffee gets because you never clean the inside. You just wash it out a little bit with water, but you never touch it with soap or, God help, heaven forbid, a rag or a you know cloth or something like that. So uh, the coat kind of builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and it takes about three or four years to get it to where you want it to be. And I've had this one now for about eight years. So uh, it's pretty good. The last one I had was just standard Borelli. Uh, I think it was made a steel, stainless steel or something like that. And I had that for about 10 years and then it started to f- literally fall apart. So I invested the second time in an aluminium Borelli. And uh, it's uh, Bortoli, whatever it's called. I can't fucking remember. It's Sunday morning. What do you pricks want? Jesus. Now, I know I didn't do a podcast last week. It's been a very busy week for me this week. Um, I don't talk about work here for obvious reasons because that's not professional, but all I say is that we reopened this week. So last week was the prep for that, and then this week was the actual reopening. So any any articles that you did get, you were very lucky. And, of course, there was no hot chicks and links this week because I wasn't checking anything out. Uh, and there was no podcast last week because last weekend I was pretty up to the eyeballs. So um, that's all I'll say about that. Um, yesterday I went... Look, I think for me the whole... This whole coronavirus period, um, the worst part for me has been walking in public or having to do the shopping apart from that the only contact i've had with people is driving my car so no difference there except for the fact the roads are 70 percent quieter than they were three months ago which is lovely um work which has been absolutely fine Uh, everyone's been excellent um and then interactions with my neighbors as i sit on my back deck over the little lake here and we talk back and forth across our decks to each other uh, while I do my barbecues and they all go, oh, that's amazing. And I, I tell them how to do it and then they don't barbecue. Oh, but we won't start until summer, even though the weather's been like 24 degrees centigrade and blue skies and no winds. So that is summer. That's the only interactions with people I've had. Mostly. And then occasionally I have to... <clears throat> have to venture out into the general population to get done what I need to do. Now, normally I will do this early on a Saturday morning, like 8am. I'll hit it, I'll hit it hard before almost anyone else is there. The only people there are the people with the same opinion as me. Hit it, hit it hard so we can avoid all the shit, which means that those same people are are relatively pretty cool, you know. It's not like you're looking at each other, oh my God, 
1.5 meter distance. <laughs> the plague. It's just like, hey, hey. Even the oldies are like, hey, hey, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got to shuffle across <laughs> as we're standing at our butcher, you know, waiting for our stuff. It's just all cool. Wait two hours and you're dealing with Moronsville on a scale unbeknown to humanity, I think, before this time of period and time and place. I literally think that we are collectively living through the most stupid period, as in three or four months, in human history, I would say. I think up to this point, the only thing more stupid than this was the guys on Easter Island who decided to cut down their last few trees so they could put up one more statue head. Which is kind of similar to the current building construction industry in Australia. Let's just put up another bunch of apartments for immigrants. So, um, yeah, this has been pretty stupid times. And yesterday, well, last night, I was in bed by about 9.30 on a Friday night. I was destroyed. We had a, I got out, got out from work and just came home. I ate some food. I literally just sat in front of the television in Dutch and let it all watch, wash over me. I didn't care what that was. I didn't care. I didn't care. And I was in bed. I didn't get up. Till about 8.30 and I didn't even think about stepping outside my house until afternoon. It was about 12.30 that I went out to get do the shopping. And I, I only went out because I really needed a couple of things. I really looked at it and went, oh, I think I can get away with not going out. And then I just realised that there's no way that if if I didn't do it, I'd have to do it during the week after work, and that's that's even worse. So I ventured out walking uh, because the, the the place I needed to go is in the centre of Light, and it's only a ten minute walk, but I can't drive there. I didn't take my little push bike because I I just wanted to walk and that was a mistake I should have taken the push bike because at least the push bike is kind of the same dynamic as the car you can't really do anything no one's holding 1.5 meter distance things on push bikes bicycles we call them push bikes in Australia so I should have taken the bike so that was my second mistake obviously the first mistake was not getting up and just going out at eight o'clock that was but I was just too tight that was my first mistake second mistake not taking the push bike, big mistake, because now I have to walk, and you have the constant, you know, people coming towards you, and the protocol is is that if you're under the age of sixty and you don't leap aside for anyone who looks vaguely like they've got a grey hair, then you're a bad person, and that you want people to die. Even here in Holland, you know, there'll be streets. You kind of, it's been, it's been kind of acknowledged in, in, without mentioning it that 
instead of walking on the on the footpath like on the you know right and left sides you'll actually walk if you're going in one direction you'll walk on the right hand side of the road and if you're coming the other way you'll come on the other side of the road literally you'll be on the separate footpath so i'm on the right side and then there's people on who are walking towards me on that side so they're obviously going but i'm expected to leap aside for them uh and i'm a bad person if i don't and you can see each other coming for 50 meters and then there's this battle of wills of who is going to move aside this kind of goes back to an article i wrote years ago about walking on the street and getting out of the way of people who are going to bump into you and turning that around make it that the people get out of your way i called it alpha walking i think and it's very true and it's even come into real uh, uh protocol now so if you've got you know 50 meters or 100 feet or whatever it is between you and you you know who's going to be the one who steps onto the street to risk being hit by a vehicle or a bicycle here Simply start looking up and examining the guttering of the building next to which you're walk, currently walking or examine something in the sky and match. just fucking look anywhere but at that person. So that person coming towards you will, re- will, will process this information. If, if you're looking at them, it's now a battle of wills. But if you just look away, it's not a battle of wills anymore. It's simply the other person going, oh my God, this person doesn't see me. What am I going to do? And then they just get out of your way. Every time. Every single time. But if you look at them, then they'll get all belligerent about it. It's like like we've got roundabouts here in a lot of roundabouts in, in the Netherlands. They like using them a lot. And by the way, the roundabout etiquette is pretty good. But often you'll go up to a roundabout, you come to a roundabout and you'll turn left and there'll be two lines there and there'll be a slow car in front of you, by the way, that you've been behind in this single lane sort of thing. And you get up to the roundabout and it goes and splits into two. So the inside one can go back the way it came or turn left and the outside one can keep going straight or turn left. And the car takes one of those two and it's going in the same direction as you. It's turning left. But you flip into the other one, so you can use the roundabout to overtake the car. And you can do it on either side. doesn't matter, because the roundabout has, like in Holland, it's got like a little actual, uh, you know, half a foot high concrete barrier sort of thing. So you've been behind this car for the last however long. They've been going slow, and now they're going... It happened to me on Friday, and it was a Tesla driver. Okay. So I'm behind this Tesla. Now, the Tesla driver was going fast on the straights, but I'd already been behind a roundabout with this guy. But on the roundabout, he just like, he just, just like, he was, oh my God, I've got to turn my brand new car around and ooh, I can't put it under any stress. So it was just like half the speed of what you'd normally see. I'm like, all right, okay, buddy, I'll just get past you the next one. So I come to the next roundabout and I zip through on the inside. And as I come abreast and we're coming around, we're about to turn left. Of course, he's seen me out of the corner of his eye. And, oh, no one can overtake me in my Tesla. So the douchebag puts his foot down. And we've also got a car in front of us. So, and I'm on the 
the left side and he's coming into me. So I'm actually in the lane and he's now merging back into. So I made a classic error. And I just put my foot down as well and I won. But it was a pretty close thing because he's got a Tesla, which is probably about twice the acceleration of my Mercedes. But he still lost, and it was lost, and it was some fucking douchebag in his 60s, some fucking boomer. And it wasn't even the Tesla S, it was the Model fucking 3, which if you drive a, Moz, a Tesla Model fucking 3, you're not only a douchebag, but you can't afford to be a proper douchebag. Fucking hell. Model T, whatever the fuck it is. Um... I assume that anyone driving a Tesla on the road is a douchebag unless I actually pre-know them before that. And even then, I'm a bit worried. And you can see he was furious. He was furious that I'd got past him. Even though at the next roundabout, he did exactly the same thing and went really slow again. So, you know, I left him for dust. So, what do you want, mate? I don't mind if you go slow. Because of whatever reason. Maybe you've got the back of your car is literally full of eggs all stacked up. So you can go, you know, at normal speed in a straight line. But when you go around these things, you've really got to take it. I don't mind that at all. No problem. But if I try to get past you, don't fucking try and cut me off because you've got a penis the size of a pencil. Anyway, so I should have taken the bicycle. So I'm walking along and getting through all this, and I go to my uh, guy, my chicken guy, and he's a poultry shop. It's all he does is poultry, but he also does things like geese and, and I don't know, fucking, you know, swan. No, they don't eat swan here, but, you know, whatever. They've got, they've got ducks, you know, all the stuff, quail, partridge, pear trees, anything you want that's, you know, fowl-related, basically. And it's good stuff. And I get my polder hen chicken, which is a hen that's raised on a polder. And a polder is like an open field here. And this is simply really, really fantastic quality chicken. This has not been fed any grain or anything like that. I'll tell you that right now. It costs a bit more, but I don't mind because I live by myself. So uh, I got my chook. My chook's all good. And I get that, well, roast chicken. Roast chicken's one of those dishes, boys, that, that that works out who can cook and who can't cook. Because the simplicity of the dish means that it won't uh, withstand any fuck-ups on your part, the chef. I remember you know, Gordon Ramsay had his kitchen nightmares um, series and when it first came out the first it wasn't one I caught an episode here and there but when it first came out there was an episode that I did catch in the first series and it was this uh, English I think they're all set in England but it was this restaurant in some godforsaken English town where the owner was a female and she was obviously just it was it was trying to be all right, first of all the restaurant was trying to be pretentious uh, so she was she was pretentious as well um, but she was cheap so she basically hired a head chef who was some 19 year old 
and did this big thing introducing Chef and had his name on the thing, Chef, as if he was a name chef. And he was like 19 years of age. He hadn't even done a full apprenticeship. And looking back on it, I would say that Ramsey was actually polite because as he... As the series progressed, it's pretty well known that Ramsey just got ruder and ruder and ruder. And for someone to come in and not do their, first of all, their apprenticeship, uh, and then go through the motion. So you'd start off, you'd start off on the, you know, you're basically a chef on the line. You'd maybe start down in bloody salads or something like that, or, you know, the bits that go on the sides of dishes. You might work your way up to entrees. And then after a few years of really hard graft, you'd work your way up maybe to sous chef, which is second in charge. And then you might divert down to sauces or pastry chef or, you know, there's all specialities that you can go. But, you know, after 15 years of hard graft and stabbing people in the back all, all along the way and doing 17 hour days, seven days a week, you might claw your way up to the giddy heights of head chef. And this kid... And he literally had bum fluff on his cheeks. Had just been parachuted into the head chef job because he didn't know any better, but the female owner was a cheap tart uh, who had no idea. To, to, to really talk about how no idea she had uh, when the episode was actually going to air, uh, she invited all these people around to a restaurant and did a live viewing. She actually thought it was going to show her restaurant in a really good light uh, and had a big party apparently i think there was an article about it in the independent i think i read anyway she ended up trying to sue uh the production company the television company um and they're like what are you talking about we just <laughs> she lost anyway i'm getting to the point in this episode ramsey's literally trying to teach this fucking kid how to cook and and like the i mean he's he's all the processes were, were, of course, they're wrong. The cleanliness was was terrible. He's just pulling trays out, and this fucking you'd never want to eat in this restaurant ever. Um, and and then he's like, "Well, how old are you?" And I, and in retrospect, Ramsey was very, 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 very patient and kind. He really held his tongue because you could tell that he was very, very pissed off that this kid had just kind of you know, got the position without doing the time. Same time that Ramsey himself had to do, clawing his way up. And as someone who's worked in restaurants back in the day for, you know, a number of years, I understand how the whole dynamic works. So anyway, in this episode, Ramsey takes it, eventually Ramsey takes it to back to basics. And he goes to the kid and he goes, look, Sunday, tomorrow, restaurant's closed. I just wanted you to cook your family and me at your house a Sunday lunch, a roast chicken. It's all I want you to do, just a simple roast chicken. Baked potatoes with it, some gravy, a few sides, but got really, you know, really, really, and the kids lulled into a false sense of security. He's like, oh, yeah, where's chicken? No worries. But Ramsey knew exactly what he was doing. And, of course, 
It was a disaster. And the kid's family, he's, the kid is literally trying to serve his family this roast chicken. And the look, I'll never forget the look on his, I mean, pretty good television, actually. I'll never forget the look on his father's face, which was like, oh, shit. Because his dad was like trying to eat the food, understanding the food was no good. Then, then mentally, in a split second, making the leap to the fact that the kid's supposedly a head chef of a restaurant in the town in which they live, and then, in a millisecond, making the leap that there's a television camera and Gordon Ramsay in their house watching him. And, like, you know, you just see in his face, in, like, the course of a second or two, all of this information register. And it's sensational television. It really, really, really is. And that's the power of roast chicken. So if you want to test yourself as a cook, because you're not a chef at home, right? a chef is a pr- profession, a cook is what you do you know, when you're home, you, uh, you perfect roast chicken because it covers so many things. You've got you've to, cooking is all about prep and timing. And selection of your ingredients. If I'm going to look at three areas of cooking, it's those three things. Prep, timing, cooking of ingredients. So yesterday I made a simple pasta and one of the, one of the uh, for lunch. And, and that was after I went shopping because one of the reasons I went shopping yesterday was because I needed a chicken, but I also needed some cooking cream for the pasta. And the pasta is literally like a marinara, but you get it, you get sausage Take off the skin of a sausage, break the sausage up into balls, roll them up, fry the sausage balls, throw some pancetta in, fry that as well. Then you get some egg yolks and you get some cream and you get some parmesan, a bit of parsley. Mix that all together, whip it up in a bowl. Then you cook your pasta and then when the pasta's done, you throw it back in the bowl, you throw this egg and cream mixture into it and the heat from the pasta will cook the eggs, and then you also throw in the sausage and pancetta mix, mix it all up, eat it straight away. Very simple, but your timing better be good. Because if your timing's not good, if your pasta takes too, if you haven't timed the pasta so that your sausage now is starting to get burnt, you know what I mean? You have to have it all lined up, ready to go. And of course, the simplicity of the ingredients means if you have poor, that's Italian cooking. Italian cooking doesn't use very many ingredients. If you go to an Italian restaurant and they've got some sort of pasta and it's got, you know, you know, five different ingredients in the pasta sauce, you're not looking at Italian food. You look at some bastardization of that. And that's what cooking is. So, you know, I might, I might, uh, I might. Have I done a post on, have I done an article ever on, because I've done some cooking articles. Um, have I done any on roast chicken? I can't remember. Let's have a look. Maybe I've done one. I can never remember. I have. I've done roast chicken and chicken stock. I did it the week afterwards. There you go. 
there you go. I've done it. So just search Adam Piggott roast chicken on Google and that will come up for you. Okay. All right. Um, so I went out shopping. I got my chicken and no problems there because the the shop is, is small, but he's got a dedicated clientele, but it's not high volume. So that was good. I was in and out, no problem. Uh, then I was next door to the cheese shop and I thought maybe the cheese shop will have cream as well. So I went in, got some buffalo mozzarella. Once again, specialty shop, didn't have to wait. Uh, no cream. Damn it. So this meant I had to go into a supermarket. And I wasn't at my normal supermarkets because my normal supermarket I drive to. So there was a supermarket, chain supermarket, literally just on the same street, 50 metres down the road. I went to that, I walk in, and as I walk, it's small, it was a small, small, small supermarket, like a quick and go sort of thing. I walk in and there's one person on the register at 12.30 on a Saturday, and you've got eight people lined up at all the spaces, which meant that the shop was almost full. And I'm like, now, remember, keep in mind, I needed one item, all right? I needed, I needed cream. And you know what that looks like. It's like in a little tub, or it's just, it's just, what, it, it, it's, it's about the size of an espresso cup. I walk through the door and I look at the line and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I can try somewhere else. And as I'm walking in, the cashier starts calling out to me, sir, sir, in Dutch. And I'm like, what? And she goes, you have to take a basket. And I went, what? She said, you have to take, and I said, look, I, I didn't even register what she was saying. I looked at the line and went, whatever, I walked back out. Gone. Down the road, round the corner, there's a much bigger one. Go in, manage to get through, go to walk in. And remember, I only needed one item. And there's two staff members standing at the entrance to the little swingy door where you walk through. And once again, I'm walking through, it's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what, 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 what? Is the fucking place burning down? And the woman, of course it's a fucking woman, very belligerently, you have to take a basket. And I went, what? You have to take a basket? I said, but I need one item. Corona. And I'm like, hang on. Now, keep in mind that the other supermarket that I've been going to for the last two months in coronavirus got rid of all their baskets and you had to take a trolley. But I hadn't even been doing that because I just walk in because there's no, they, don't, they charge you for bag, plastic bags in Holland. So everyone's got reusable bags, which spreads the virus around nowhere. So I got a couple of big ones of those. And I just walk in and I put everything in my bag. And when my bag's full, I know I won't be able to carry anymore. So I go to the cashier and there you go. Hasn't been a problem. Has not been a problem at all. And I'm like, I'm only getting one item, sweetheart. Corona, don't you? It's like she's like you know talking to me like I'm a moron, and I'm like, how? And it through my head is going, how is getting a basket? How is me picking up the basket with my hand? And then I go and I get the item, and I put it in the basket, and then I go to the cashier and I take the item out of the basket. And then I put the basket back 
with all the other baskets. How the fuck is demanding and insisting and requiring that I take a basket in this situation gonna help with the spread or stopping the spread of the fucking Chinese pox? It's not. It's gonna make it worse. So, I took the basket. And I walked in. And the supermarket was busy. And everyone was doing the, if you come within 1.5 metres of me, you're an you are literally Hitler. Especially like me. Like I'm 48, but I probably look like six or seven years younger. In shape, male. Got all my hair. Haven't gone grey yet. I think that's probably going to happen soon. You're literally the worst person ever. If you don't get out of anyone else's way. Woman with a baby. If you don't get out of her way, you are literally Hitler. Even though kids don't get affected by this, it should be me demanding that baby woman get out of my fucking way. No. So, I have to go through the indignity, the charade. I get my cream. And by the way, all the staff, all the staff everywhere are just filling up shelves with their fucking, the thing that they've used, their cart, the trolley, the, the pallet jack, whatever, in the middle of the thing everywhere. So everyone is forced. So, I mean, there's no, there's no, they've got all these lines on the floor, but the way that their staff are actually doing their job themselves is causing everyone to break 1.5. But, oh, they made me take a basket. <laughs> yes, they did. They did their job for coronavirus. Fucking morons. And, of course... The red mist had descended. I'd now gone from doing my shopping to wanting to strangle newborn kittens. In a split second. Because it was the end also of a very long week. And stressful week. So I got my cream. And I stuck it in the fucking basket. And I walked and I waited at 1.5 metre distance. And then I got there and I was not going to take it out on the girl behind the plexiglass. Because, you know what, it's not her fault. She wasn't the stupid moron demanding that I take a basket. Because I could have made a big show and dance out of removing my one item from the basket and placing it on the black thingy that moves along. The worst part of the black thingy that moves along is you go and you put your full basket on it, and as you try to put stuff, because it's heavy, so you lift it up onto the black thingy, which is moving, and as you try to take stuff out, your basket is moving as well. So you're trying to hold your basket back while you're pulling, trying to get the stuff out, and your stuff is all spread along the thing in one... It's just like, woman, take your foot off it for a second. Know what I'm saying? Give me a chance to get the stuff out. 
I pay, I leave. I haven't got the good bit yet. So I walk out onto the street. And there are two young people, teenagers, 18, 19, 20, 21. I don't know. They all look the fucking same to me. And they're obviously from the local council. And they've got the same T-shirts in, which is, I think it was green with black writing, something about coronavirus. And the guy is standing there and, and they've got those, those, you know, enthusiastic smiles on their faces, like people from World Vision who are collecting your money for the starving Africans, which World Vision, no one gives a fuck about anymore. It's over. Give it up. I saw one of the commercials on TV last night. You know the one that goes on for about three minutes. It's good for my Dutch language skills. You know, but three euros a month is all you need to pay to make the difference. Fuck off. 40,000 employees at World Vision. That kid will be lucky to see one cent a day. Not interested. No one's doing it anymore, man. No one's doing it. You're gonna. I really can't wait for the day that World Vision closes its doors. I cannot wait. And they'll make a big show and dance, a bit of a tragedy, and how it really reflects on the generosity of people and how people have changed. And isn't the world a terrible place? And you're all bad people. But it's because you've got forty thousand employees. You've made a business out of misery. Your fucking executive board are on millions, and you fucking suck. Go and die in a grease fire, world vision. Go and die in a grease fire, the whole lot of you, including Doctors Without Borders, because you cunts have been helping the bloody uh, legal immigrants cross the Mediterranean and get into Europe, so get fucked as well. Anyway, the chick has got on a hula hoop. She's wearing a hula hoop around her body that with a cage made out of the same kind of bamboo material that sits on her shoulders and the hula hoop is of a 1.5 meter diameter you see what i'm saying here and they're demonstrating to people walking along this busy mall area or old part of the town on a saturday afternoon what 1.5 meter distance is and it's like guys really really are you that hard up for pocket money are you that hard up for pocket money that you would go and get paid five euros an hour to do this really I just, I saw that, I saw that, and the stupidity of this age came upon me like a ponderous weight, and it settled down upon my shoulders lightly, and then drove me into the ground with despair, 
that I have to breathe the same air as these people. I'm just thankful that I'm not back in Australia at this time and I have to be around Karens. The only thing that's keeping me going is that the Netherlands is a Karen-free zone. That's the only thing that's keeping me going right now. Otherwise, kittens would be in grave danger, not to mention the ducklings that I fed this morning off my deck. They'd be in big fucking trouble, let me tell you that right now. But the 1.5 metre distance hula hoops, that's, that's been... That's been the low point so far. Listen, I can understand why people don't go out in this time and just get their groceries and everything delivered to their house. It's not because they're scared of coronavirus. It's not that. But once you've had to line up a few times and deal with this sort of stuff, hell is other people. This is what, if I was Satan, this is how I would make hell. What we're going through right now is how I would actually design hell. And that's it forever, for eternity. That's what I would do if I was Satan. That's what I would do. I would design this. Shoutouts, Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com who invited me to go walking with him in the Nevada desert uh, in a week's time. I had to turn him down because I work for a living and also because I wouldn't be able to fly back into Europe since they've closed the borders to people outside the EU. So uh, thanks for the invite, Cappy, but I can't do that. But... Uh, you should check out captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, all of his books, his podcasts, his arsehole consultancy, his YouTube videos, his pole dancing series, that's brilliant, uh, his series on 10 different things to do with uh, petroleum jelly, love that one, uh, Cappy's right up there, good guy, got lots of good stuff, and if you listen to me, you probably want to listen to him. Um, and he supports me, um, and he, you know he's been a big reason for uh, my success. I'd say that the two, the two websites that link to me, I'd say the three websites that link to me that have been uh, the most responsible for the success of the dissemination of my blog because you can get linked to but if your stuff's no good you know whatever but for getting my name out there cappy the other mccain and dalrock uh in no particular order dalrock still even though he hasn't he's shut down his blog but he, it's still left up there i will st i still get a lot of hits come through from dalrock every day uh so um yeah um, as regards to supporting me, uh, once again, I don't beg on the internet, um, but I have worked out uh, a um, uh, affiliate program with a product that uh, I believe is A, um, a good product, uh, B, a product that my listeners and readers will most probably want themselves, C, got myself a very good deal on the affiliate stuff. 
Uh, I'm going to be launching that next week. Uh, but just so you know, it's a VPN. Uh, and uh, the banners will go up on my blog, and I'll be plugging that on my podcast. Uh, so when that comes up, uh, a, a number of people have emailed me or left comments over the last you know couple of years. You know, I've bought your books, but I want to support you in other ways because you know I use all your content. Once again, my response has already been: I put my content up to sell my books. So thank you very much. You've already supported me. Um, the best things you can do to help me are to disseminate my content to your contacts, you know, so that I get more followers. Uh, and now, um, if the VPN product is a product that uh, that you you're gonna uh, that you would like, um, and it's something you could use, then to click through from my blog when that goes up next week and uh, support me in that way. But more details on that probably in next week's podcast. Um, that's it for me. Uh, if you like this, you can follow this podcast. Uh, you can follow my blog, Pushing Rubber Downhill, buy my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Butts, Guts, Pull Cones. Um, I hope you guys have a lovely Sunday. And uh, hopefully, I'll talk to you again next week. Ciao for now.